This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. Hi, everybody. My name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome, welcome. Jen Hatmaker here. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. I know that you're all tuned in today. I know you are. (laughs) And I know why you are. And you are going to be so glad that you did this. I just told her just a second ago at the end of the recording. I'm like, this is everybody's lucky hour. It's your lucky hour. We're in a series right now called for the love of faith icons, which is just delighting me to my bone marrow. Um, It's such an honor to talk to these men and women of faith and in leadership um, who have impacted us for generations. And so this is why we wanted to start 2020 with this series. We wanted to start with wisdom. We wanted to start with mentorship. We wanted to start with leadership. We look around, um, just everything feels so bananas right now. Is it even possible to stay faithful Um is this worth our time? And these leaders remind us, yes, stay the course. There's so much like love and joy baked into this journey that we're on. And so, I mean, I just couldn't be happier by any stretch of the imagination to bring you today's episode. I'm just not even joking with you guys. We have been impacted by her teaching, her books, her conferences, her life, her faithfulness, of course, you know that I am talking about Beth Moore. I want you to know this before we jump into this conversation, because I mean, I'm telling you, she just lays it down for us today, but I want you to also know behind the scenes, she has been so good to me, so kind, so nurturing, so encouraging, like in ways that no one has ever seen, that nobody even knows. And some of my darkest and lowest moments, Beth has ministered to me on purpose, like specifically and pointedly. And I want you to know that she is even better in real life than you could imagine. And so obviously, okay, it's a little bit about her. If you don't know her, besides my little um, advertisement that I did, my little Beth Moore commercial I just did. 
She founded um, Living Proof Ministries in 94. Uh, the whole idea there was to encourage women to know and love Jesus and find healing and redemption through like a great love of scripture. And that's that's been her through line all the way to today. That's That's been her vision, the vision of her life. And she is faithful in it. Um, she's written a ton of best-selling books and Bible studies. She leads a TV program called Living Proof with Beth Moore. And she and Keith, her husband, they live in the Houston area. So she is my Texas neighbor and um, she's got two girls, Amanda and Melissa, and they are so dear to me too. I love both of her daughters. And then she is a grandmother to three beloveds. Um, and she has been just a guide to us for decades and a real mentor to me from afar and then up close as I looked around and went, where's a precedence for what I do? Like, who do I look toward? Who, who can show me what this life might look like? Because a life of, um, leadership in faith as a woman is a weird deal. You guys, I'm just telling you, it is some, it's just some weird stuff and it has got a lot of bizarre landmines inside of it. And I'm like, who will teach me how to do this? And Beth has been one of my greatest teachers. I'm so happy to share my conversation with my friend um, and my mentor and somebody that I love and respect to the ends of the earth, Beth Moore. Um, all right. So <laughs> when, when you and I like turned on the recorder, we just both started laughing all for about 30 we, all seconds. All we did was laugh. All we did was laugh. And I, I have also, I laughed last night thinking about it and I laughed this morning thinking about it. And I don't know if it is because we think one another is funny or yes. if our lives are so absurd yes. that we just laugh, Jen. I don't it's know. I tend both. to think it's, it's the latter. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Um, and thank goodness we still have our wits and humor about Ooh. us. Um, thanks for coming on today. I am so just delighted. Uh, oh, just I couldn't be happier. Easily girl. one of my favorite people in the planet. Uh, Earth. Likewise, my friend. Everybody, Likewise. everybody listening to my podcast obviously loves you and knows who you are. And so I've talked just kind of a little bit about the high level points of your sort of walk through um, ministry and, and all of your leadership. But just real quick before we kind of dive in, we have so many cool things to talk about, but I wonder if you could talk for just a minute about like Beth Moore right this minute. So what are you doing? What are you doing? What is it like right for your family? You live in the country or country person now. Yep. As of as of eight years, as of tomorrow, and, oh, and it will wow. not surprise you. I hope so much that someone is listening that has this life and understands that I moved uh, myself with the guy driving the moving van and all of that. Keith was at the deer lease yes. when we moved. Sure. So I moved eight years ago. Tomorrow, yeah. we moved out to the country, left our home of 27 years, moved out to the country. But I will just never forget it because he told me, he said, it's going to have to be January. So it can't be during deer season. Sure. I was like, baby, I, I need to get settled in the house. And so he said, I said, babe, I can do it myself. And so that is exactly what I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's exactly. not going to change his plans oh, for hunting. Oh, no, no, that what that never came up right this minute. That's right. So yeah. I, I love you saying w this minute because I truly, that is a, a goal of mine. I want very much to live in obedience to Christ in 
that present season and not try to make a lot of assumptions and not try to force the past on my present. And I'll tell you why this is important to me. And Jen, you would know this much of my story. It was 18. I was 18 uh, between my freshman and sophomore year of college and early, early summer uh, when I was at camp with a group of sixth grade girls at a mission camp. Mm -hmm. And it was there that I just sensed the unmistakable call of God. Now, I'd been um, a a believer. I placed my trust in Christ at at nine years old, or at least made it public the way my tradition does it. I just can tell you that there was uh, a sense, an overwhelming, unexpected, unanticipated sense of the Spirit that was on me, and somehow I knew that my future was His. But because I did not know what on earth I could do I was I was planning to be a lawyer and mm-hmm. um, like my grandfather and was in pre uh, pre law all political science and English and because I didn't know what on earth it was it was like I knew that I was called I knew that my future was his but all I knew to do was honestly sign up that I was I was going with Jesus mm-hmm. and so for these. All these years since, so I'm 62. That is all I have known to do. Is that okay? I'm just, I'm going with him. I didn't I didn't uh, surrender to a particular kind of ministry. I just went. I'm going with you wherever you're going. And I, Jen, you'll so understand this. I didn't even know what a woman could do. Well, of course you did. And there's hardly a precedence for it at that point. It was just, it was, it was the oddest thing uh, to look back on that there was just really no paradigm that I knew of. It, I'm sure it existed, but I didn't know of it. And so I just gave him my future and just went, well, wherever you're going, I'm going behind you. If you will be so kind to make sure I understand and to give me um, just, a, I mean, a, a driving, I mean, I'm driven, driven to see women really step into what God has called them to do. But what that looks like, how that happens still to this day is just all up to him. We need to switch it up. And so that's us, Jen. We're just rolling with him at the time. And um, I am... It keeps me very alive with him and attentive because I have no idea what's coming next. I have a, 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 the next year's calendar and a year and a half, I guess, of of speaking engagements. But what all I, I know, you know, I'll be doing some writing because I almost always uh, am up to that. But how that looks in the day to day, shoot, I'm I'm his, and I got my man of 41 years, and I've got. Um, Amanda and her family live in town, so we do a good bit of life together. And then my Melissa is in Portland, and I will have um, her soon for uh, about two weeks. And so this is our life. A lot of dogs, a lot of walking in the country, and a lot of time on my knees. Yeah. I think maybe what surprised me the most was like that when you put that yes on the table, when you said, here we go, I'll do whatever you want. I do what you ask me, Jesus. I'll, I'll go, go where you send me that, that, that zigs and it zags. You know, I think maybe I thought it was going to be kind of one straightforward path, which was just the one I knew. It's the one that felt familiar to me that um, I'd seen other women walk in front of me. And I thought, well, this will probably be the direction it goes. But I'll tell you what, it just goes all over the map, doesn't it? And It goes all over the map. If anything, it it's a figure eight, you know, where you feel like, wait, whoa, 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 yeah. I am circling all the way back and around. No, I couldn't agree with that more. Yes. And, and thank goodness for it. To me, that's kept it. Yes. A, 
alive, as you just mentioned. Uh, One thing I've talked to you about before privately, and I would just love to kind of host this conversation here on the, on the podcast too. Um, You've been in ministry for like four decades. And now let me just put this caveat right in here. None of your male colleagues would get this question. None of them would feel this question. Um, but you are in, in my, just in my experience, again, like you said, there's, there's a big world out there, but from what I know, you're one of the few women in ministry who can speak with some authority to this question because of your longevity. Um, and so this is, this is what I'd love to hear you talk about after four decades of ministry. Um, I would love to hear you talk about your family. And I've asked you this question directly as a person who's kind of doing some real similar work that has some similar requirements. So being on the other side of, of airline miles and nights away from home and the Friday nights and all of it, it's all so incredibly familiar to me. I'd love to hear you talk about, um, your family and how you, how you held that beautiful mechanism together with a with a ministry that was not common for the girls. Um, you know, their their friends' moms didn't probably have work that looked no, just like that's that. Right. And um, and how? Because one thing that I was loving, and we're going to talk about chasing blinds quite a bit, but uh, you had a portion in it where you just talked about how beautifully, not resilient, because that's not the right word. Our ministry is not an assault, but how, how actually that's been a strengthening agent um, in your family, in your marriage and parenting. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Oh, I I would just love to, because man, we have gone all the way from my first official, when I would tell you that I had my first formal invitation to speak. Now, I, I would have already been, when I look back, Jen, and I realized that I had been president of my sorority and I'd been chaplain the year before that. Mm-hmm. So you, you start thinking back and realize that God was already sticking you up front pretty sure. early on. So, but when I was 25, I remember well because I was about six and a half, almost seven months pregnant with Melissa. And so that would have uh, put me right in the middle of my 20s, very, you know, just great with child. And it was the first time I just stood at a microphone and there was uh, a fairly legit group in the room. And I was part of a larger conference. But so realize that Amanda would have been two and a half at that point. Melissa is not even born yet. And so now these girls, you know, late uh, 30s and Amanda right at 40. So this is how long, this is how long. So it is truly bridged my, I would have been in the throes of ministry when all of their teeth were, um, when I pulled all of their teeth with them, when we got all of their shots. Willa got her four-year-old shots yesterday. All of that would have taken place right while I was in the throes of this. And one, one of the things that truly guarded me, please understand, I was teasing with somebody yesterday. Uh, our family, we, we, this is no poster family for your, like, this is Man, this is what you want to model everything by. Keith and I were a train wreck. I mean, a train wreck. So we we uh, we set the bar a little lower because we're just glad we all still love each other and we're all still together. So the, these were very important things. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to work to try to make sure that I kept my family on the radar. I 
I didn't want anyone else to yes. raise my family. Yes. I, I wanted them. I still want them. And I also wanted to do uh, this ministry that God has called me to. And so this is sort of the madness of it because I wanted both of those things. Now, somebody's thinking, well, you know, then you had it all. No, n- not true. Ugh, so because true. if I told you how many friendships I lost because I had to make a decision that I felt like I'd be able to live with when I was an old woman, um, if the Lord waits that long and I'm on my deathbed and I think about how I live my life. Well, you're trying to think, what will I have wanted to have done? Well, I, I want to have served Jesus with everything I had, and I would have wanted a whole lot of that to be within the context of the people that I love most on the planet and who make me laugh the most and make me think the most and teach me the most, all of these things. So, man, I really went for doing it as well as I could do all of it. And that meant, I'm telling you, doing somersaults, twisting myself into a pretzel to be, to get home as fast as possible. If they were in half day kindergarten, I want some mother out there to stop and praise the Lord for full day kindergarten, because that is not how half of your four mothers ever lived. It was half a day. We had three hours. So I'd go speak at a breakfast, come running my tail back as fast as I could to pick those kids up. And this was my life. Even when I wrote the first Bible study, I would they'd walk out the door at 8.30. I'd be at that, that table by 9. At 3 o'clock, I'd shut that, that, um, that Bible. I'd stand at that front door and wait for them to come home. And I'd be in all sorts of disarray. My house totally. would look like a wreck. But this is how we did it. And yep. Keith... He was the one, just like you and Brandon, we did it together. Um, People ask me all the time, did he travel with you? That wasn't how we did it. We did it the opposite way. We did it. We're we're parenting these kids. And so when I'm gone, he's on. And so every other Friday night for one night, I was home on Saturday evening, um, uh, he was on. So this whole thing, this is how we did it. And God somehow... He, he, I think he so knew the effort was there and the tears I was going to cry when there was an, I tried my hardest, you know, for what we do, Jen, it's constantly looking at what's in May. What is it that who's, who's graduating, who's going to yep. have a prom, who's 100%. Gonna, all of these things. You're looking at that calendar, trying to anticipate what am I going to miss uh, I, I, that I cannot miss mm. and um, birthdays, all of this. You know, so living on this with all this anxiety, Jim, <sighs> all this anxiety, <sighs> but um, God wouldn't trade it. Right, and we we got through it. You know, both of them, the girls, both of them. Keith told them when when each of them launched, he said, "And I'm serious." And someone needs to hear this. I'm as serious as I can be, and he said it seriously. And I sat there and nodded my head, yes, and I amended it. He said, "Both of you will need counseling over your mother and I." <laughs> and he said, "And we will pay for it." And we kept our we kept you our kept your promise. <laughs> Good parenting is paying for your children's counseling, Jen Hatmaker. This you want to ask me what good parenting is, it is paying for the therapy your children are going to need because of you. 
These are the facts. And of course, we have five. So we just need to have a huge savings account. You really I mean, do. our you investment really in do. their future mental health, we're only just, we're at the tip of the iceberg. I'm just no, telling it's just you. not it's not good. At at the very best, it's not good. And then it goes, it go, it can go down from there. But anyway, we may one we're still speaking. Yes. We're still one another's favorite people. With Melissa coming in soon. I mean, the first thing we said, this is so silly, just think, you know, little when they're tiny, tiny and you say these things because we'd always go, let's make a more sandwich. And so Keith and I would get the girls in between us and we'd all just hug really tight. And so, you know, I texted both the girls. I said, we're going to be together in five days. We're going to make a more sandwich. And so we're still making a more sandwich. That's so great. You know, I've told you this a hundred times, but you and your relationship with the girls is such a joy to me because I pray that that is um, that I'm staring at my future, and that my kids will grow up just loving. Well, the, again, I gotta have real, real low. I've got maybe two hopes: please love God, please love me. Like that's <laughs> it. I, I don't know past that, but amen. But you know what, Jen? I already see it, and I smile so big when I see it. And of course, with with your your uh, boys, yes. Too, but when I see pictures of you and Sydney, and I can see the mischief in her face, and that y'all have been laughing really hard, I just I can't help but grin from ear to ear because I'm seeing that happening. You know, when when you feel like you're not so heavily responsible for that, you know, you've taught them everything you know to teach them, and then they're when they're and you still you're still teaching, but but when they really do become adults, there is also laying it down. I don't, you know, I just don't know how many more things I can tell you about, about living a life that I think is remotely worthy of uh, your calling, but then to be able to just go, you are my best friend. Oh, oh girl, so you're going to, you are going to have that. Oh, it's so great. Every single woman deserves to feel comfortable and confident every single day. This is just facts. So you know who else feels that way about you? Third love. You've heard me talk about them plenty of times because third love does bras differently. Finally. Thank you. Gosh. They have this super quick fit finder quiz and third love helps you identify not just your breast size, but shape. And then they find styles that fit your body, your life, and they stand by their perfect fit promise, which is so great. So they have this team of expert fit stylists always available on chat or on email, absolutely dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. Third Love knows for sure there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your whole first order. Yay! So go to thirdlove.com slash for the love right now to find your literal perfect bra and you'll get 15% off your whole first purchase. So it's thirdlove.com slash for the love for 15% off today. Okay, guys, back to our show. I love 
love when you talk like this and I love watching it. And well, it, frankly, that's, that's kind of the way that you started your book. That's, that's where you begun was this dream trip to Italy with the girls, uh, which was fun to watch from the outside, by the way, y'all cut up. There was we just shenanigans on that trip up. and it tickled me to watch it. But, um, so I want to talk a little bit about this writing because there's so much in it that's profound. I'm looking at my copy right here. It's all marked. So listen, this trip was beautiful for a million reasons. And Italy is one of my favorite places. Um, but you kind of walked away with this huge obsession and, yeah. and yes. then it just turned into this really just profound and robust piece of work. Um, cause nobody has seen this. They're, they don't know this yet. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like what you saw, how it captured you? I'd love did you to. expect that? I don't think you did. I think that's not what you went looking no, for. Because I live by the seat of my pants, uh, which you do too. Now Same. the trip had been planned. I want to give our listeners just a little backstory here because this is a, this, well, you know, Jenna, I hope this is fun for you. We think this is kind of, kind of stuff is fun because, uh, you know, we just feel like we owe our kids so much because they put us on a plane a lot of times. But what I've been doing for years is stacking up frequent flyer miles. And I told the girls, I said, one day I am going to take y'all, I mean, we're going on a dream trip. And what, what's important to know here is that we have been to a number of, of um, countries uh, overseas, but always attached to some kind of work. Right. I, I can think of all, I'm trying to think if there's an exception to that, but we, we just would go as part of ministry. And then sometimes my husband, and I would stay over a day or two and do a safari or something like that. But, but very rarely have I ever made a trip of any kind like that, that was just for fun. Yeah. So I said, no, no, no work, no nothing. I'm going to take y'all on a dream trip. And so it was really important to me that we went on frequent flyer miles. It just okay, was like, yes. this is so representative. This is what I pay you back. I have been making a deposit into this account and I got it to where we could fly business class. Yeah. So I just kept stacking, 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 stacking. And I mean, I cleaned that baby out, but think how many <laughs> years has gone into I this. I love it. It's so symbolic. So, it's wonderful. Oh, so Fun. And so we started dreaming, where is it going to be? Well, pretty quick, we came up with Italy because it's just the best ever. Indeed. But from that point, what I, one of the things that I am, that makes me sad about myself is that I go for so fast. Mm. I don't give prior thought to, to where I'm going to be. I think about what I'm going to do. Like if I go to, into a city, a really great city to speak, mm. I'm, I've got my message prepared, but I never think, man, I'm going to be in one of the greatest cities in the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't mm. think through, Ooh, I should have made arrangements to eat here or do this. So it was the same with this. Listen, we handed it over to a, a good friend of ours. that's a travel agent. We said, because 10 days and we left it to her. So I couldn't have anticipated it. Our taxi pulls us up to this little inn and it is in rural Tuscany, 20 mm. minutes from Siena, as far as your eye can see, yes. there are rolling hills of vineyards. I have never seen anything like it in my life. And we just happened to be there at the very tail end of the harvest yeah. when they were clipping the last clusters. And I, I, I'm going to tell you guys, I was staring straight in the face of John 15. I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't even believe it. it. It was like every part of it 
took on Technicolor. Like it, everything came alive and my mind was just, I, I mean, my eyes were just jumping from one part of it, from the, from the people that were going up and down the yeah. rows, doing the clipping in their baskets and, and, um, watching, uh, the, the clusters of grapes drop into the basket, wa- watching this whole process. I was mesmerized. And so it began, I, I could barely sleep that night. It was the next morning that we took the drive in that I was that they we were watching them yeah, uh, yeah. clip the uh, vines and all of it the this beautiful fat grapes and the deepest richest colors and it was romance and I, I've said this um, to a person or two that asked me is this a regular book or is this a Bible study well it had plenty of it's it's scripture. Scripture content was plenty for a Bible study, but this work needed, it needed room to breathe. It, it needed, yes. it needed the romance with it. It, it didn't need a, a 1500 uh, word, uh, word limit every day. Laugh about it, cry about it, take them in to it, get them get them to put that cluster in the palm of their hand a moment, squeeze it a little bit, see what happens, smell it, smell it when it turns um, from uh, that, that vine into that grape, into that wine, let them, let them interact with it on the page in their imagination. And girl, I don't even, listen, I don't even know if it's good. What I know is the whole thing came alive to me and I, oh, it just killed me. And I realized why, why it's called Chasing Vines is I, when I, I do this and I would imagine that um, a number of writers have this same way of thinking, but I like to tighten, to start out with a really tight lens. This is where we're going. And then I want to pull that lens out really, really far. And I want to see how, what, what is it is how it does it connect to the rest of scripture and you can honestly swing like Tarzan on grapevines from Genesis to Revelation. I'm not kidding. You're right. You're right. It's a through line. It's a through line. Talk a little bit. There's so much, it's just, it's packed with like beautiful, um, metaphors and there's so much to learn from the vineyard. There's so much to learn. Oh, and so. It was already written out first in the Bible, and then you helped kind of bring it to life and bring it to our modern ears. Can you just pick a couple of things, a couple of your favorite things that you loved, your, that you just, that you were so excited to discover or touch or experience or teach? Like there's, there's so much in here. So I want you to pick what you I loved. loved I, I'm going to say one that I, that I thought was really wonderful. And then one that is harder, but I think people need to hear it. So I want to talk uh, for just a moment, first of all, on placement, because we connect very heavily with Isaiah's passage in Isaiah chapter five, because it's Mm -hmm. this spectacular part where Isaiah, I've got to tell you, I am so um, goofy, Jen, this will not, this will not surprise you at all, that I just got chill bumps on my arms, because this is how much I love these passages, because there's this part where Isaiah breaks out in song in the fifth chapter. He says, I will sing a song of the vineyard. I will sing for my beloved. And his beloved is God. And so he's singing to God about God's vineyard. And he says, "Um, my beloved planted his vineyard on a very fertile hill. And uh, so it's one one way we begin talking about what what in viticulture is called. And I, I 
I'll butcher the French, but terroir, which is a word that means placement. It is, it's, it's a sense of place. And so it's very, very important to the vineyard and very, very important when it comes to the branches of the vine. This is what I would want somebody listening to understand that you, you have been planted Mm. in a place where you might think to yourself, this is the worst soil ever. Listen, if God has you there, that, that, that soil is fertile. Mm. It just, it just doesn't seem like it is. It's that he's got to do the miracle underground. He's got to do the miracle in the, um, in the energy, the life force of the, the vine to the branch. You, you got to learn how not to let anything constrict the life that is between, um, Christ Jesus and Mm. us through the spirit. But, but that placement to make sure that it's in the best possible way to get, uh, to get the sun that it needs, the way that the vine dresser goes in and make sure, and I love this part, Jen, that if there is a real heavy, heavy cluster that is just crushing down and the sun can't even get to the one and under it, man, it's go- they're either, they're either going to lop that thing off or they're going to pick it up and put it on the trellis and, uh, and tie it up where that which is under, it's kind of the idea of even uh, the players in a symphony, all of them have to be seated where they can see the conductor and in a grapevine, all of the branches and clusters, they've got to have the sunshine. They've got to have the um, the soil and, and just the right mixture of rain. And what killed me when I say in the book that it had me, I, I was already intrigued. I would have already thought it was beautiful. But when I was done, when I was just, I mean, it was like over for me. I, I was in a romance forever is because our driver, our taxi driver said, um, she, she spoke very, very little English. And she told us when we got in, she goes, Oh, I love to have Americans because I can practice my English. Sure. And so one of the things that she said is she said the, she said the grapes, she said, they love the rocky soil. Mm. They love the rocky soil. And mm. Jen, I hmm. swear to you, <laughs> I've never been able to get my life out of the rocks. Mm, and wow. I don't know why. Gosh. These are questions I'll ask the Lord when I get there. But yes, it is seasonal to some degree in between hard and excruciating. And I think I'm not going to live till morning. Yes, there is some variance in there. But Jen Hatmaker, for the life of me, I cannot look over my shoulder and think to myself, now that was an easy season. I can't. It's just, I, I guess, you know, I was, I was so messed up and was from such an unstable home and, oh, I could just go on and on and just, you could play the violin for me and I could get us both all choked up and all. But the truth of it is when it comes down to it, I thought I found my, I have found my fruit. That's it. Because all I've ever had is rocky soil. Yes. So there's there's that. And now let me say on the mm. hard part, because somebody is listening just for this right here. The pruning process, when when the gar when the vine dresser goes mm. to prune it, listen, the the branch to the branch would be sitting there thinking, You're killing you're destroying me. Yes, that's how it feels. Yes. And you think God put a promise on your life. You think he gave you vision for something he'd call you to do. And then suddenly you're going, it, 
I mean, it blew up in my face. Mm. And you're think you're thinking it's all done and over, and now you're just gonna, you know, just somehow exist in meaninglessness, mm. um, it, it, where your faith walk is concerned, and you don't understand. No, no, no. It's because you were producing fruit. Mm. He ca- he does not prune a branch that does not produce fruit. You can check it out for yourself. He comes, he starts clipping on it and it thinks it's dying. Do you know that the only reason why a grapevine ever produces a single grape is because it's under so much stress it thinks it's dying? It wow. is, it's reproduced itself. If a if the soil conditions are good for a grapevine, they will produce leaves, 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 leaves. Oh, they'll be bushy and leafy, but they only reproduce themselves with grapes when they're scared they're not going to survive. And so it, it's just nuts. And so I need you to know who are listening. Yeah, girl, your life is not over. Your ministry is not over. Your calling did not come and go. He has cut you back so that you can increase your fruitfulness. That is what, you know, Jen, my big thing with y'all, you know, because I've harassed you to no end through the years because I don't want you young women. And I would say the same thing about our young men. I don't want y'all to get frustrated or get discouraged and quit because it will feel like I cannot endure this any longer. And you just have to hang in there with Jesus until you can catch your breath again. Yes. Yes. You know, to that, to that exact idea, um, you talked about in order for us to flourish, of course, like you're just describing um, the way God intends, the way he will prune us. He'll just have his way that our active participation is required, as you say. And so I want to talk about that because um, uh, there's a little bit of a, a faith narrative that exists. Um, I know I've definitely uh, received this messaging sometimes. I've probably been a terrible participant in doling it out in ways. Um, I mean, that's just, I'll, I'll just get, to, I'm going to go straight to heaven and just walk right up to Jesus and be like, look, here are the things I'm sorry about. Oh, me um, too. Yeah, me I too. just have a whole list. But it's kind of this idea that, that God's work in our life is um, just going to be, uh, it's going to have an ease to it. It's always going to have a gentleness to it. It is, it is always going to have a win baked inside of it. Um, it you know, it's, it's going to seem crystal clear. Even there's a, that I've definitely, I've definitely reset that lie. It's always going to seem, this is obvious. This is what God wants for me. Um, and so like in real life, in real faith, in a, in a real relationship, how do we participate in God's work in our lives and in in his plan for our lives without imagining or just duping ourselves into thinking, but this is just going to be some real, real lovely skating. And that's how I'll know it's right. Cause it's just going to, it's just going to skate along. Jen, I don't know. One of the mysteries to me is how we got away with this theology. I don't know. I guess it got mixed up with the fact that because many of those that were in our nation and in our and in leadership and in government were um that it was very uh 
a Christian, at, at least by name and um, by uh, by perspective, that I, I don't, and that the fact that then. America was so prosperous that it all got wound in together. And so I, I think that's probably where it came from, because even though a lot of us want to say, well, there's the prosperity gospel. Well, here's what you need to understand. Yes, there's certainly that. And, and, um, and we want to steer as far as we can away from it, or we're going to go into a ditch, but there, but for, to some degree, most of the American church buys in to a prosperity gospel of sorts that Agreed. if we do you, okay, yes. I'm, I'm so glad. So, so I, but here's the mystery. We did not get that from scripture. No. And so I don't know, I don't know how we get, we, what we did, we've done this. We have come up with this based on circumstantial evidence because this was considered to be, right. um, uh, religiously speaking, a Christian nation and it prospered. Therefore, if you are a Christian, you will prosper wrong, wrong. If you look in Matthew 10 and Luke 10 and somebody's going, man, I want to turn off this podcast. No, I want you to listen to it because here's what I'm going to tell you. Do not tell me that at the end of the day, what we're about to talk about is not what compels you instead of repels you. What is not compelling is I'm going to sign up for something that's just going to automatically give me whatever is considered to be American success. And that's all there is to it. I'm bored stiff by it. I'm absolutely bored stiff by it. But when you tell me that Jesus has said to me, come and die and follow me, I will give you a life you could not have anticipated. I will give you a fellowship and a communion in it that you did not know was possible. I, you will walk out this thing with me half the time having no idea where you are going, reaching out your hand and hoping I've got it. And I not only have it, I have the whole person of you. This whole thing you sign up for, Matthew 10 and Luke 10 both say, listen, you will, you'll be hated. Yes. There'll be people that will not accept you. That's right. Uh, he went, he told me, he said, you'll, you be arrested, uh, persecuted. Some of you will be put to death. Uh, there are going to be places where you're going to be thrown out. Uh, there are going to be, you're going to be misunderstood. You're going to have people withhold things from you strictly because uh, you follow me. He said yes. all of these things and it's all over it. We yeah. look at the life of Paul. He's going, you know, this many times I've been shipwrecked. Of course. Listen, we didn't get um, uh, 39 lashes this morning. We're doing good yes. uh, where the New Testament's concerned. So um, this it was it was never told to us we've done that to ourselves yes. that we've rewritten the narrative and what we did to it is we really took we took the faith out of it mm. uh, we took the whole everything that would have w caused us been the catalyst for us to abide in this glorious savior and no man i'm going to have to live in him cuz i don't know what i'm doing I, you know, I don't know, Lord. I, okay, Jen, perfect example. So I'm on a walk with him a couple of months ago, and I, I look up toward heaven, and I say to him, I hope you know where we're going. <laughs> because I said, I, honestly, Lord, I have no idea where this road you have me on is about to take me. And I hope one of us, right. I hope one of us. <laughs> 
as an idea, <laughs> you great. know, and this, this is life, but it's also why again this morning, you know, Jen, I was up with him and mm. I'm mesmerized by him and he's yeah. mysterious to me. And, and, you know, it doesn't, please know if you're wrestling with him and if you're just grappling with him, <laughs> listen, I, I, I beg you to tell me anything that is much more intimate than wrestling. If you're yeah, wrestling with God, you're, you, it's a, you can't wrestle with, it's how full on hands on. You're right. Hands on. Mm. And um, you just keep talking. I, I think the dialogue, and it, it's not even talking, be be in his presence, be mindful of his presence. Even if you're upset with him, tell him. If you've had a devastation, a disappointment, tell him. But you just keep that door open constantly, that, that way open. And that's abiding. And it one is. Of the, yes. And a lot of hope cracks through there, too, because I, it's interesting to watch the that sort of hollow theology of everybody who abides in Christ is going to win in this very sort of standardized way. Because right, right. um, I understand, like, on its face, this feels like a good and an easy sell, because it is, of course. Um, but it really actually... It, I, I've watched that break so many people's hearts. And I think about oh, yeah. uh, so many people that I love and that I have served and served with that doesn't hold. That's not enough when it's you enough. suffer and you uh-uh. will, because that's the truth. That's, you will. That, you just will. So there is, it's not true that, um, that being a person of faith is some sort of inoculation against pain or loss or suffering or failure. And so when those things happen, which they will, then there's nothing robust enough to hold you in it. And so it does feel counterintuitive to have to hand yourself over to a God who says, hey, people are probably going to hate you. That's just a, I mean, he is thin in the crowd. Um, you know, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, is. Jesus, you could have done, you could have tried harder. Like, <laughs> you could have done better. Really, you could have offered cookies. could have done something. a better job of PR. I mean, just <laughs> eat my flesh and drink my blood. What did that do yeah, to the this crowd? Did not, yes, I this mean, was- but, but, this was hard to go over. But the thing is, as you're saying, in that wrestle, when you find yourself locked in, um, it's there's life there and abundance and joy and hope. And it's just can't, it's just it's not the kind that the world sells us, but but it shows up. It does not, show up. It, it does show up. And I'll, uh, this is where the fruit bearing comes in. And I'll, uh, this is an extremely important. This is a thread in the book throughout. And that it's is the next this thing I wanted to talk right to you about. It's my favorite okay, part of the good. book. Good. It's just basically to understand that it that life is not always going to be fun. It is not always going to be what you imagined it to be. Often will not be. It will not always go like you hoped it would. Mm-hmm. But the promise is this, and this is what just just honestly makes the blood. Uh, warm in my veins over this topic. The promise is it can always bear fruit. And so here's, I want you to go full circle with me here because no, no, we can't say that if you sign up for a life fully given, fully given to not only the affections of Christ, but literally abiding in those Mm -hmm. affections, that it will, it's it's always going to be a good time. But here is something you can know that when he does bear the fruit there is joy in that fruit bearing. 
There is. And so, no, no, the thing that, that caused it to be such fertile soil for you and may have brought about the biggest harvest of your life, maybe the worst thing you've ever gone through, but That's do not right. tell me there's not something about knowing that the enemy truly wanted to destroy you. And here you still are, that everything in you would have sabotaged every good thing that had happened to you, but here you still are. And after all of a, a life of thinking, I don't know what means anything, suddenly all of that has meaning because somebody got hope through your story. You cannot tell me that that can't be a high. That's right. I've seen that so many thousands of times now at me this too. point in my life. It is, um, it, it's guaranteed. This is a guaranteed. thing that I know I can count on. I, 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 I know now at this point, which is a faith builder too. And it, it's a, it's a, it creates a resilience in a resiliency in it, I believe, because once you've seen that bear forward that many times in so many circumstances through so many people's lives and sorrow and loss, you know, you can count on it. You know, that's how God works. You um, do it. Yeah, absolutely. And so it keeps us. It keeps us in. It keeps us in, and I, I get to tell people, y'all. Let me tell you the. Be I do not want you, either brothers or sisters. I do not want you to fear age. And one reason mm. I I don't is because the best part is what gets settled in your mind. And here's what I know that I could not have known when I was my daughter's age. Uh, with this kind of uh, certainty. And I certainly could not have known it at my grandson's age. I couldn't have even begun to know it. But here's what I know now. What, What I know is your God is going to be faithful to you. He's going to be faithful to you. And he's going to bring this strange joy. There, the Obedience will always lead to joy. Mm-hmm. It will. What you sow in tears, you will reap. If you will um, believe him, take him at his word, mm-hmm. and I, let that soil be watered with your tears. And you will, if you continue to um, walk with him, you're going to come out on the other side of it. And it is either going going to be on this planet or it's going to be in his presence, but mm. you're going to be waving those sheaves of joy and it's going to be like nothing you have ever experienced because God, here's, here's, here's what I promise you. God's going to be faithful to you. Mm. He is not going to drop you. And when That's you right. think everybody else has forsaken you, there, there he is again. And mm. you just, we will not let go. It's so good. Hey, crew, we have definitely rounded the corner into the new decade, and I have been thinking about the dials that I want to turn to be healthier and happier and stronger in my body. And one of the things that's been working for me is Noom, N-O-O-M. It's an app. When you sign up for Noom, you're paired with a goal specialist who helps you figure out like what healthy habits work best for you, like exactly who you are, what your life is like, what you love, what your preferences are. Like it's really, really tailored into your actual life. Also, bonus, it only takes 10 minutes a day to keep up with all of it. I've noticed specifically the really unhealthy loops that I get stuck in in my head and that at the end of most of my loops, I end up telling myself something like, well, I just... I don't care. I just deserve this. And it's, it's whatever is just makes me feel bad. You know, it's just a big, huge 
pile of fried food or whatever. So it's helped me like stop those thoughts and be like, okay, let's, what's coming up for me? Like what was hard today? Like, let's actually deal with your feelings. And then what can you do to like nurture yourself? It's completely like shifted the way I've thought about my habits. So Noom has a special trial offer just for our listeners of the show, noom.com for the love. And you can start that trial today. So that's N-O-O-M.com slash for the love. Listen, be kind to yourself. Do this because you're worth it. Noom.com slash for the love and start your trial today. Back to the show, guys. I think what you, the way that you wrote, um, about recognizing good fruit and yes. rotten fruit in our lives. Mm. I can't, I cannot Ugh. quit thinking about it, Beth. I cannot mm. quit thinking about it. The mm. very candid way that you spoke about this sort of gave us a formula, yes. um, to measure this phenomenon in our lives, which I want to, I want to hear you talk about, but I'd love to. couching that it's watching you move through the world the last few years has been just a real, we just a real deal, isn't it? Isn't it a weird time to be alive? Sometimes I just think I've opened up the pill bottle, taken all the crazy (laughs) pills and there's none left because I've ingested them all. I I mean, I have thought, okay, somehow, you know, the Truman show, when you think we're going to find out we're on a, we're on a movie. Yeah, yes, this yes, isn't this isn't yes. real. It can't be. We're, we're on a movie, and somebody's going to move that screen one of these days. And we're going to go. Oh, <laughs> yes, we were okay. punked. I want to hear you talk about it because this is something that you wrote in chapter five. You said the vine dresser does it. I cannot quit thinking about this. The vine dresser does a curious thing with the rotten fruit. He turns it back into the soil, and there underground by some spectacular organic miracle in nature it fertilizes a future harvest i I, it's just that's ping-ponging around in my head so hard and so can you just talk about this world can you talk about good and bad fruit oh i I will i will because i've i've this has been such a a fog thinning season um i honestly i'm still working it through I don't know how many more years it will take, but um, trying to figure out this somersault, I feel like I have been through. But one of the things that we talk about in the book is is being able to look at what kind of fruit something bears. Remember a very basic, basic truth that Jesus gave us is that you will know a tree by its fruit. And so there's always time involved. And then there's this uh, ability to look and see. And one example I give so that you'll be able to, uh, you you need something that you can wrap your imagination around uh, that is real common. So so for you who are listening, for instance, I said it it really never worked for me to be, to be really, have really pushed for a hyper, 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 righteous home. And by that, I mean, I mean, I wanted a godly home in the worst way. Don't misunderstand what I mean. But if I, the more I pushed Keith that I would not want to watch anything above a PG rating or I tried to make everything and I wanted everything. I wanted him to lead us in devotionals, all all of these things. Well, the more I pushed him, the more 
he rebelled. The of worse course. he got, the worse yes. his language got. And yeah. of course, who wants that? Yes. But he just ornery. And I would have been too <laughs> if it would have been reversed. So it did not bear good fruit. Hmm. It didn't. I can look and hmm. I can see over time, you always add time to the equation. This plus time, was it good fruit or bad? Well, it was bad fruit. Well, I'm, I'm watching some of that even in cultural Christianity in America, uh, watching uh, what has, has, is bearing bad fruit what is dangerous and what may look like for the immediacy of it, this is a really great idea and let's all get on this bandwagon, but that over time it does not bear out. I want to give, I want to give one example because I, I know we're narrowing down time, but um, for instance, something that I have seen and I know I, I'm going to have to take the chance that somebody's going to think she just got an axe to grind. I get it. I'm, I'm going to let you go ahead and say it because I can't stop you anyway. But one of the things that I have really become concerned about, and many of you are not in this environment, so you don't really even know it exists, but we've got places, you know, there's just this wide, wide breadth of um, evangelicalism and uh, and to the far, far, far um, right, mm-hmm. really. What will be said is, no, we believe that women and men are are equal before the Lord, Mm -hmm. both image bearers. They'll go completely there. But it's all kept so so separate that, and they'll say, no, we there's mutual esteem. Well, I it's been such an odd thing because I it has not been. Um, I, I don't. I, I, I'm. I promise you, as as much as I know to have my heart out before you, this is not being said with condemnation or criticism. I'm saying when I'm testing the fruit, and I am with brothers from that far, far right where there just is no serving shoulders. Now, I'm not even talking about, by all means, have distinct roles. I'm not talking about that. Go ahead. By all means, I'm talking about simply even being on committees together. I'm talking about doing church and community life where you even know one another well enough to esteem one another because I found over and over and over that these are uh, often people, uh, these would be some of my brothers that can't have a conversation with me, just a regular conversation because there's not been any, there's just been so little, uh, uh, communion together, serving together. Um, of course I would tell you that they would believe I was equal to them before God, but they don't know me enough to respect what I would ever bring to the mix or what you would or anyone else. That's what I'm talking about. I don't think holding the genders completely separate except for worship services. I don't think it produces good. Agreed. Agreed. And, and I love I love this um, possibility that you've put in front of us to test the fruit because um, that has been so instructive to me, so incredibly instructive um, to be able to say, well, so sometimes when things feel really confusing, and of course, the, the tricky thing is, the irony of it all is that some of these really extreme 
positions. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot of mental gymnastics. You can point to something in scripture and say, see, there's what it says. Absolutely. You know, it, you can, you, you can figure out a way yes. to use the Bible to back up what you're saying and what you're thinking. And so that muddies the water for so many people trying to find discernment and, and, and it's truly confusing. And so what, what I find comforting is the fruit tells us the truth. Yes. It the really fruit does. tells us the truth. The plant doesn't lie. It doesn't. The grape doesn't lie. And that is what my, my friend, Farmer Fred, told me. And I talk about him in the book. Yes. He's a soil expert. And he always says that, that the, the tree is going to tell you the truth about what's going on in the root. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, Jen Hatmaker, I believe it with all of my heart. You just look, what is growing from it? Okay. Then something's amiss. Yeah. Something's amiss. You don't have to throw the whole thing out. I'm talking about digging up the tree. I'm, I'm saying, what is it? If that is not over time bearing the fruit of love, joy, peace, a, a kindness, Yes. Uh, goodness. And if, if we can't see any fruit, uh, something's amiss. And it's just being able to be like, okay, we don't listen. We all get, we all get stuff wrong all the time. We don't have to go beat one another up, but we could say, what is the answer here? Yes. And Keith and I, we had to come to some things that were just like, okay, for the Moors, <laughs> this is how the Moors have to live mm-hmm. in order and not and not antithetical uh, uh-huh. to scripture, but this is how the Moors are going to have to conduct our lives right. in order to make things uh, work for us. That's right. So after becoming, let's just say a woman of a certain age, I am feeling the need to actually clean my skin. With something other than the soap in our shower, which makes my daughter Sydney just absolutely fall on the ground and cringe. So, Glossier, this is my daughter's absolute favorite skincare and makeup brand by a billion percent. Glossier has created something called the Milky Jelly Cleanser. And it actually made me want to stop skimping on my cleansing routine. Super gentle on my skin and eyes because I have really sensitive skin. And so because of that, it's great for literally every skin type. Glossier is a really cool company. Um, They actually listen to what their customers want. And then they take that feedback to create products exactly like the Milky Jelly Cleanser, right? Genius. So I'm telling you, you can get that glowy, dewy skin for yourself by visiting glossier.com slash podcast slash for the love. Learn more and take the quiz to figure out your ultimate Glossier skincare routine. It's just dialed right into you. Um, Plus, every customer will get 10% off your whole first order on glossier.com slash podcast slash for the love. Okay, I'm going to spell that for you. It's Glossier, G-L-O-S-S-I-E-R. Okay, glossier.com slash podcast slash for the love. Just a few exclusions apply. Back to the show. Okay, listen, I'm going to ask you one more question, then we're going to wrap it up. Um, This, we just kind of turned a chapter, and we're starting not just a new year, but we're starting a new decade 
which always sort of gives me pause. It make, causes oh, me to, to take a little stock and yes. think forward to a whole, the whole last decade and the whole next decade. And so I would love to hear just if you would give a word to us um, as a whole, as we all look ahead to the next um, this whole decade in front of us, um, which is, it's, it's going to have this strange, uh, political climate cooked into it. We know that that's not going anywhere. No. We know that things are loud and screamy. We know that women are still being disesteemed and disvalued. We know that, um, poverty is still creating such yes. inequity. There's just, yes. we see, we see the darkness that's in our world and that is definitely going to still be in our world. And so how would you lead us as we look forward? Yes. Uh, I, I would love to do that. I would, would want someone to hear me say, there's beautiful words of Isaiah 41, four, where God's talking and he says, who has performed and done this calling the generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, the first am with the last, I am he. And he's making the point that he has laid out all the generations and from before time began, you know, he knew exactly how long he would leave this present uh, universe uh, in its, its form, keep the earth spinning as exactly how long uh, his agenda is until his kingdom comes and his will is done and he renews, uh, gives us a new heaven, a new earth, and oh Lord, let that be soon. But what I want you to hear is that it, God could not be more purposeful. It says that he allotted our times and our places. We go back to that terroir that he's planted us in places in the world, um, in the culture that we're in. And so I, I want very much for someone to hear me say that when, when we look around mm, us and we feel yeah. ill-suited for this time, yes. uh, no, we were set in this time. And one reason why we know we are not just to ignore the world going on around us is because this is the one we were assigned to. This one, this one, we may think we don't have what it takes, but God believed that through the power of the Holy Spirit, oh, yes, we do have what it takes. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we bring the gospel into this very culture, into this very context. So when you're just, we're so overwhelmed and think, what does this world come to? Well, this is the world Jesus is going to be coming to. Hmm. It, it is. It is. And we don't live, uh, nor do we grieve as those who have no hope. And one of the things that we have to do, listen, you fight for your right to joy because we are people of hope that believe with everything in us that this turns out well. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but listen, when all this is said and done on the other side of this life, we really are going to have all our tears dried, and we really are going to live happily ever after, and all this pain and suffering will be over. And so until then, to me, Jen, this is sort of how I picture it, and I'm just picturing it in imagery. Just let me talk poetically here a moment. But life is this whole conglomeration of these hints of both heaven and hell. I mean, yes. it really is. That's right. That we're just like, we feel like we're near the burning fires. And then we get these glimpses, these moments. Sometimes I can look in my grandson's eyes and I see one tiny brown fleck in his blue eye. And I could just, honestly, I could dive in like <laughs> a lake. I could. And life's so beautiful. I can, have my, I can have my puppy in my lap and just look at those floppy ears. And I can think, I feel bliss right now. And you've got to grab 
add that when it comes. You don't, when, when God gives you a moment of joy and laughter, take it because that was to help us through when the news comes on mm. um, our mm. feed and we see what else has happened. We cannot carry the world. All we can do is minister in what He has placed in front of us. Speak the good news in a really rough way world and know that God is going to be faithful and Christ is going to make every wrong right. Oh, yeah, He is. Mm, Amen to that. Oh, you're just, you're preaching to us. And so everybody is getting a sermon today and it is their lucky hour. This is it. This is it. It's their lucky hour. Jen Hamaker, I love you so much. Can I say something that I say about you? Yes. Anytime, you know how you and me, we're always feeling for one another because, you know, we just, we've been through so much. (laughs) And I tell you something I say every now and then, if I ever, you know, hear a, hear a single negative word, I say, you know, you know how I know you don't know Jen Hatmaker, how I'm positive. How I'm positive that you don't know her is because it is utterly impossible to know the woman and not love her. So I, I, I know this. I know with what the attitude I'm getting right now, you don't know her because if you do her, you would love her. And that I want to say to you, when I told my girls I was taping with you today, I yeah. said, oh, both of them laughed. My mom, oh, yeah. I said, girl, I have such a good time. I love you, Jen. I love you so much. And I just, I've told you this in public and I've told you this in private, but I want to just want to say it one more time um, that your your mentorship right now, your leadership, um, not just to all of us, to the church, and um, not just to the community of women, but to me personally in my life as a as a mom, as a wife, as a leader, um, it has meant so much to me that I can hardly even talk about it right now. I feel so verklempt over it, but. Um, I want to tell you that, and I know you don't care hill beans about this. So this is, this is just my way of telling you how far reaching it is. But I, I have this very weird position to find myself in several very strange, but very different circles. Uh, somehow I'm in all of them. I don't really know what it, I don't have a good category for myself. Um, a lot of it, they're here, they're there, they're ancillary, but everywhere I exist as a member of a community, as a leader, whatever sort of faith community and which wherever direction leans, you are beloved as a faithful and courageous leader. And you are beloved among us and all of us, all of us from, from the one far edge to the furthest other edge. And it is because you have borne one of the most faithful witnesses I have ever seen. And I've seen it for years and years and that years. Just and me. No, that it just, just kills me. That just kills me. I can't tell you. I just can't do it. I'm so unworthy of that, but I'm going to tell you right now, I am going to receive that love from you, you today because it's a good day for it. it Thank <laughs> you for that. You are so dear to us. Okay. This is the last thing you have to tell us. Okay. This is something we actually ask everybody in every series. Okay. And it's, it's, I learned this question from Barbara Brown Taylor. Um, and her question is, and you can answer however you want, but this is it. What is saving your life right now? The country. Oh yeah. I thought you might. The woods. Uh-huh. 
walking with the Lord. I asked the trees the other day, please don't think that I'm just I need someone <laughs> yeah. to hold on out there. Yeah. That's not my mysticism. It's that you just do it just it's poetic. Yes. But where you just go, I or do you I, I, I can they keep a secret? You know, that's the kind of thing I ask them. Can y'all yes. keep a secret? Because the things y'all hear me tell the Lord are oh, things yes. I do not ever want told. Oh, yes. But yes. I, I think that. I, I told Keith, I, I the years it's added on to me, the quiet oh. in my soul, mm. uh, that I can walk in, to the fence and visit my next door donkey. Oh, uh, Jen, yeah. The country, the woods, the woods, being in the woods with the Lord. That's it. That's a yeah. great, that's it's yeah. just it. I, I have a similar response that when everything feels like it is crumbling, if I can just get my body near Girl. some water, water, near a water. tree, yes. near yes. the dirt, uh, it is instantly healing to me. I love you so much. I love and you, I am, you are so precious to Thank me. Thank you for having me, my friend. I'm L- so grateful. Pleasure's mine. Love you. Love you too. Bye-bye. Well. I told you to buckle up. Do not say I didn't tell you. Uh, I'm still thinking about several things that she said and how it really deeply impacts a handful of things. I'm walking through this very minute, but um, if I did not make it crystal clear and I think that I did, but Beth's leadership through this bizarre world that we find ourselves in right now, um, where things we thought were shared core values are just kind of up for grabs when everything is confusing, when our faith leaders are, are singing a completely different song than the one that they taught us. I'm just telling you, um, Beth has been a faithful voice of integrity um, of this, the sense of true North of what is real and good and kind, what's still good about good news. Um, and I have learned so much from her and I've drawn so much courage from her so much. So she's very dear. If you need more if that just came at you so fast, um, you can go over to jinhatmaker.com, which is where we have the transcript of this entire interview. So we've got it all written out for you, all the links to Beth's work, to her studies, to her spaces, her social media accounts. If you don't already follow her, I'm just telling you, you want to. Like If you're not following Beth more on Twitter, you need to get your life together. Okay. That is just hear me, hear me. Um, and so, gosh, we have so much more to come in this awesome series on faith icons. So much more where this came from, just the wisdom, the heat, the fire, it's all in here. Um, thanks for being with us as we kick off a new year, a new decade. Uh, if you haven't already pop over and subscribe to the podcast, make it easy on yourself. It'll just show up for you week in and week out. You don't even have to do any work. Um, give it a little rating, give it a review. That means so much to us. And that's so good for our little show. And so, um, on behalf of Laura, our producer and her team, and Amanda and I, we're grateful for you. We love you. We hope to serve you so well this year. Thanks, you guys. See you next week. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.